Live from the downtown studios of KFNX, it's Grateful Heart Radio with your host, Rebecca Rains. Welcome to our show and thanks for listening everybody. This is Grateful Heart Radio, the motivational Arizona real estate and business show where we bring you the three E's, educate, empower, and engage. We like to bring our listeners accurate information instead of headlines or sound bites designed to simply attract attention. We want to help you make your real estate and professional personal finance decisions wise ones for you and your family. I'm your host, Rebecca Rains of Integrity All-Stars at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and we've been selling homes here in the Valley since 1993. We are proud to be a part of Timely Balanced Tooths Network, and we are live every Monday at 11 a.m. So if you have a question for us, please call at 602-277-5369. Today on our program, we have a great guest for you. I'm super excited about Steve Valentine with the Valentine Group and the Limitless Project. And I want to share with you guys why I invited Steve on today. I am so excited that he's here. I got to meet Steve a couple of years ago. And when I first heard his story, so much of it resonated with mine. He got in the business with his dad many years ago. We both went through the downturn and were hiding stuff, trying to figure out how, like, like seriously losing our rear ends. Right, Steve? Yep. Uh, both of us. Our dads, unfortunately, I'm not sure what year yours passed and mine passed three years ago, just this last Halloween. And it was a sudden brain injury. I think same with yep. your dad, something yep. very similar. And I had the fun pleasure of going into his office, and I'm being sarcastic here, and trying to put the pieces back together. And I was just so horrified to see how hard he worked for so many years, helping other people buy and sell real estate. And then here we are today, you and I, rebounding from the downturn. I mean, it's been several years and a lot of hard work. But when I heard you speak, I'm like, this man's got it going on. And I loved hearing everything that you've done to help people create wealth and build the Limitless Project there at the Valentine Group. Can you share some more? Of course. Where do you want me to start? (laughs) Well, okay, let's just start with the fact that you lost a bunch of properties, and today you own 36 rentals yourself. 36. Between you and your wife. Yep. You have some vacation rentals up north. You have a large team. But besides that, you've helped many, many people learn to do exactly what you're doing in order to acquire the wealth and plan for your future. Yeah, so at Valentine Group, we're really an investment boutique team, I mean, when it comes down to it. We do traditional real estate, but... We're trying to help the consumer to have the investment mindset in order to build their wealth. So it's not just buying and selling homes. And whether you're buying your first home or your last home, you're still investing in something, whether it's memories, family, or you're starting your investment journey. You know, when we work with our first-time home buyers, we try to get them into the mindset that we're buying your first rental property that you're going to rent from yourself, and then we're going to come back and do it again. And I love that because since I've met you, I've been doing the same thing with our clients is trying to counsel my first-timers especially. I give them that, oh, my goodness, the first home I bought back in 1994 was 88000 It's worth three fifty today. Right. If only I had kept it. Yep. If yep. only I had a renter in it today. I have, I have the same story. I tell the, the story all the time about the first house that I bought because people look at, you know, right now a lot of people are questioning, well, what happens if I invest in something and the market goes down? Mm-hmm. Well, who cares? We're not looking at it's the true. price. So when I bought my first house in 99 and at 24, I won the lottery and sold it for double what I paid for it. But... I look at it right now, and I, I think I got 200 out of it, and then it went down to 140 during the downturn. But if I just kept it, it would have been 24 years paid off, and it actually today is worth 75000 more than I sold it for, even in the height of the market. 
Isn't that insane? It is insane. And then let's, okay, off break or before we got started, we were talking about how strong the rental market is today. So it's not that you don't do fix and flips because you do them. And, right. and there's, we're going to talk in the next segment about how to figure out, is this a good property to buy and hold or is this a good property to buy and flip? Right. So I want to get into that in the next segment, but let's talk about rentals right now. Because one thing that I loved that I learned from you was finding the right property had a lot to do with no HOA and also not tile roofs. Right. That's your niche. <clears throat> That's We kind of created a buy box, and the buy box came from data. Mm-hmm. You know, it came from um, Valentine Sales and Management, which is our part, one of our partners um, for our management company. And so we look at the data to see what is the best performing style home. And so we started looking at all the data and looking at, okay, well, these older homes with no HOAs, no pools, single AC units in that 1,100 to 2,000 square feet mm-hmm. make the best investment when it comes down to buying those properties for long term. And we've just broke down the numbers and really looked at what is the best thing to buy. And right now, the rental market is on fire when it comes down to Understatement. It. Yeah. Uh, anywhere you look, it's insane how much people are paying for rent today. Right. And it's, it's not a bad thing. I mean, not everybody, you know, can be a homeowner and some people like that fixed cost of living. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we found being a landlord is that we do go up and do, you know, the fix and flip, but we do it fix and flip for rental. Right. And so we make these houses super nice. People love renting them. They love staying in there. Our average tenant is about five years right now. So when you say super nice, you're talking, you're putting in quartz, you're putting in granite, you're mm-hmm. putting in high end things that you normally don't see on rental properties. Right. You wouldn't, most landlords would try to hold back as much money, but, and somebody I was talking to the other day, they're saying, how do I capture the return if I put this money into it up front? Is it going to increase my rent by this? What you can't see is what it does in as far as decreasing your long-term, you know, leasing fees, the amount of time the tenant stays there. Those are all fees and factors that you can't see up front when you're putting that money into the property. But when you're thinking long game, that's right. absolutely what you need to think right. about. And most people just don't even even go there. Right. So that's that's pretty amazing advice. One of the other things that I thought was really interesting, Steve and I were looking at the stats of uh, the most affordable places. And you, when you were talking your buy box, mm-hmm. you're talking older parts of town you particularly like West Valley? Yep. Okay, yep. and that's because you live out there. Right. Okay. I'm down in the southeast. We're like opposite corners of the I valley. Know. We've been to yep. each other's offices. They're like an hour and a half apart. This is a good meet in the middle right here. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I'm looking at the list, and what, what I thought was really interesting, Steve, I, I gave him the question, who does he think is the most affordable price per square foot? And he had a really good guess, but that was last year. Mm-hmm. Avondale did fantastic. Now, Avondale, do you see a lot of homes that have the type of buy box that you're thinking about? No, because most of them are newer, have HOAs, and the problem that, that we've seen with HOAs is, you know, it's you have the, the weed Nazis and you have the parking police and you have all this stuff that goes with it, which causes problems. Because, I mean, let's face it, some of the tenants, they're not always conscious of the weeds and the parking on the street. And then plus, when you really look at long term, mm-hmm. the HOA fee doesn't give you anything from return on investment. Got it. So if you're going to do a buy and hold, mm-hmm. you're looking at an investment. How do you find properties? What is What are you doing to find these buy and hold properties? So it's really about having that target. So I know what my buy box is and I know what I'm looking for so that when it pops up, mm-hmm. I can execute on it. And that's where some people, I think... 
um, kind of miss out is because they don't know what they're looking for, so they're constantly looking at everything. That's hard. Rather than looking at this is this is where I buy, this is what it looks like, and if it meets those criteria, then it's something that comes up. And I think you learn that over time. So yes. many of the brand new people out there that want to buy, you know, HGTV. It makes it look so simple, right? right. Isn't that what we right. see all the time? Everybody watches those shows and they right. just think it's so easy. But it, it takes a lot of hard work to discover what your buy box. And your buy box would be different than my buy box yep. because I'm down in South Chandler right. and I'm not going to drive out to Glendale to take care right. of properties. Right. So for for anybody looking anywhere in the Valley, our advice would be... I mean, I, I think that you can buy. I think you go where the rents are and where the buy box is. Okay. So... You know, even though you're out in Chandler, mm -hmm. you may not manage your own stuff. I don't manage my own stuff. True. I have a management company. I can't tell you the last time I was at one of my rental properties because I have somebody managing it. So it really doesn't matter what parts of the valley it is. More does the investment make sense for the rental market currently. Okay. Fair enough. Well, as I'm looking at this list and we're winding down this first segment, we're like I said, I want to get into how do we determine a fix and flip versus the buy and sure. hold in our sure. next segment. But as I'm looking at this list... You know, some of the more affordable places that are really surprising. At the bottom of our list today, Coolidge has $94 a square foot. Number one of our list is Paradise Valley at $412 a square foot. You're probably not buying too many cash-flowing assets in Paradise Valley I right don't now. think so. I don't think so. And I don't know. Coolidge might be the up-and-coming. You never know. So that might be a place to think about if you're going to be doing a fix-and-flip or a buy-and-hold. They actually appreciated 9.1% last year. Oh. Another city that had double-digit appreciation last year, Florence, coming in at $113 a square foot. They appreciated 10% this oh. past year. And then the top, believe it or not, was a tie between Wickenburg <laughs> and Tonopah, believe it or not. So, you know, you might not want to think just inside the valley. You could even think just outside the valley right. for some really good investments, especially if you're going to be looking at long-term. Um, in case... Oh. Oh, boy. Looks like we have to go pay some bills. It's time to go on break. You're listening to Independent Talk Radio, KFNX, 1100 AM, and Grateful Heart Radio. We will be back soon. Thank you very much. Thinking about buying or selling your home? Experience matters when it comes to what may be the biggest investment of your life. Rebecca Rains has been selling real estate full-time for more than a quarter of a century. Her track record is proven, so come see why all of her clients rave about her services. Whether it's your first home or possibly your last, you owe it to yourself to call a true professional. 480-243-4242 or visit IntegrityAllStars.com. Experience matters. IntegrityAllStars.com. We want to welcome you back. I am Rebecca Rains, and you are listening to Grateful Heart Radio, motivational Arizona real estate and business show on Independent Talk, KFNX, 1100 AM. We are here live every Monday at 11 AM, so if you have a question, especially for the guests that we have today, please call us at 602-277-5369, or even if you have an idea for the show. Now, let's talk about market stats before we go into everything okay. else, okay? And, I, you know, right now, I always get... Question, I always get the question. I'm sure you do too, Steve. Is it a good market? Right. Right? 
Well, it's a good market for somebody in every market, is it right. not? Right. I mean, that's really what it boils down yep. to. We were just talking on break about the downturn and selling REOs. Both of us were in that market. And I think one thing that most people forget about everybody coming to Phoenix is we do have an inventory shortage right now. Mm-hmm. That's why rents are so high. Right. And last stats I pulled up, and I'm not going to go through this whole sheet because it's a spreadsheet that I need glasses to read, <laughs> but I will tell you a couple things I did highlight is two years ago today, we had three months inventory, okay? Okay. 3.1 to be exact. One year ago today, we had 3.1% inventory. This time, three months ago, we were down to 1.8. Mm-hmm. And last month, it started creeping up a little bit to 22 and this month we're at 2.3. Now, for those of you in my audience that don't know what I'm talking about, it basically means the number of homes on the market today, how long will it take us with the people that are looking to buy to eat up that inventory? Right. And so there's very little. In an equal market, you you really want four to five months supply. Right. We haven't had a four to five month supply in, I don't know how long, six right. years maybe. Right. It's been a long time. Yeah. So rolling into that how do you find properties that you want to invest in, whether it's to buy and hold or fix and flip? Well, <clears throat> the market has changed so much, especially Phoenix being ground zero for you know cash offers and wholesalers and Zillow and Offerpad and Open Door and all those all those convenience, right? Right. So when we started doing it at Valentine Group and we started handcrafting real estate solutions, it depends on what the consumer I wants. I love that line, by the way, handcrafting <laughs> real estate solutions. Well, all our, all our logos look like beer logos, and um, we just <laughs> – um, good job. The, um, we, we wanted to start solving problems, mm-hmm. and what most people in – the industry, I mean, that's where the cash stuff came from. It's how do I solve the consumer's problem and what is it? And so we kind of look at, you know, the equation. You know, real estate is an equation. It has a ton of different variables. Absolutely. You know, the consumer, what their timing is, what they're trying to accomplish, what the condition of the property is. And then you can go through the real estate transaction and throw all those variables in that screw everything up. So what you're saying is you find somebody who has a problem. Mm-hmm. That's where the solutions come in. Right. The problem is they need to get out from under their home for one reason or another. Right. 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 So you come in and you talk to them about their options. Yep. And those options could be? I can, you know, there's always a cash option, mm-hmm. which, you know, one of the things that we do that's a lot different than what everybody else does is that we can take that and go and represent them on their next transaction. So we can we can bundle it up and really help them go from point A to point B. But a lot of people, when you sell your house to, you know, I call it the zoo, Zillow off pad open door, there's no lease back option. There's no there's no creativity when it comes down to it. Well it's all boxed. It's all boxed. And I will tell you that is one thing I think is super genius is Somebody said to me the other day, they said, well, if somebody's going to look at buying to one of those corporate entities, you know, mm-hmm. we call them in the industry iBuyers. Most right. of our audience doesn't know. You call right. them the zoo. They're basically the big companies that have a box, mm-hmm. and they don't vary at all. Well, ultimately, your solution is a wonderful one because, like, there was a gala after you and I met that, you know, has a tax problem. We're still working with her to try to help her buy right. her house and get her out from under it. Right. But ultimately, none of those companies are going to do what you have just said. Right. Buy the property, maybe cash them out so they can solve what tax problems or whatever other reasons are motivating them towards the reason why right. they're selling. And then you turn around and turn that home into either a fix and flip or a buy and hold. Correct. But, you know, the other thing, too, is how many of those people had they been given the advice or at least the option, what if you kept your house? Yeah. 
What if you would have kept it as a long-term rental or an investment because the rental market is so good? And are you prepared to keep it? You know, there's a lot of people I talk out of it because they're not prepared in mindset or finances or savings. It would just make it too tight. So it's coming in and, and again, handcrafting based on somebody's long-term, short-term goals. And once you know all those things, then I kind of do the crazy and move things around and figure out what the best solution is for them Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And some people, you know, we just had one recently where none of the online buyers would buy it because their buy box is small. Right. And it was a house built in 1925. And this house has a real live bomb shelter in it. (gasps) I came across one recently. I've got the craziest video. Keep going. Sorry. And uh, so, you know, I, I went and talked to her and I gave them the exact net that they needed, uh-huh. and there's some other options that go with it, like building a second house on it, and there's some different craziness that we can look at. Mm-hmm. Those sellers aren't going to want to do that. They didn't want to go through the renovation process, and so we bought their house. We gave them two weeks lease back, and we also sold them their other house. So we had everything wrapped up all in one piece. Well, and I've even heard you talk about how you've bought people's homes and let them stay there as a tenant long term because maybe that's what's in their best interest yeah. and yet now you have a built-in tenant too. I had I had one there she leased the house back for 13 months. She was 80 years old. She told me she didn't care about the money, she cared about the convenience and she stayed there 13 months until her assisted living care facility was done. So, talking about that, that's the that's the phrase I heard the other day that I thought was pretty genius. This is why so many people sell to the zoo, if mm-hmm. you will, is because convenience is more important. Mm-hmm. They need the money fast. Right. And they're not as worried about making money. Right. And you come in with a different mindset that you're teaching people of there's other options out there. Right. And those other options could mean that maybe they'll turn into a tenant of yours. Sure. Depending on what you're looking to do. But we never really got back to how do you know when you end up with that property, if it's not going to be somebody that's staying in it long term Mm -hmm. for you as a tenant, do you flip it? What makes you decide? Yeah. I mean, we're... What was it? We did our demo day on Friday as a course that we're doing for real estate agents on on a flip, and uh, that's number 512 that my wife and I have done. So we flipped 512 homes. In Wendy's a busy girl. Wendy is a busy girl. <laughs> um, I think we have 19 projects underground right now. But it's, uh, you know, we always look at things and determine which direction do we go with it. Is it something that we want to keep for rental? Or who want to flip it? Well, what helps you? I know we talked about your spreadsheet. Right. So is that really the Bible that you use? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So tell them, tell the audience a little bit of what was found on your spreadsheet. What are the thoughts behind that? So the thoughts are is you kind of reverse what most people fail to do when they're doing flips mm-hmm. is they just see a spread. So you're like, oh, if I could buy this for two hundred thousand and it's worth three hundred thousand, there's a hundred thousand dollar spread there. There really isn't, especially if you're using hard money and you have cost of sale. So you're paying real estate agents, you're paying closing costs, um, all those things. And then you get into the cost Mm -hmm. of renovation and the bumps. You might net 10 to 15 grand at the end of the day. But isn't that a good net? That's the thing. I think it's a great net because I've been doing this a long time. And unfortunately, I come across a lot of people who think they have to make 50 in order to make it worth it to them. It's, It's also a great risk, though. Yeah. You know, flipping is gambling unless you have systems in place. And some people might make more because they're doing one at a time and they're doing a lot of the work themselves. And that's all great if you're trying to produce a little bit more income and you have that time. But we also talked about on break how my husband and I made the mistake where my, I think James could have made more money working at Starbucks, as we said, because by the time he was done putting in baseboards and everything else... It, you know, we netted a certain 20 grand, but if we take out what we should have paid him for right. all that work, right. we're probably closer to five. Right. 
And trust me, I don't like to do work. We were working on one of our VRBOs on Monday, <laughs> our last week, and my fingers were numb from changing out electrical outlets. And I'm like, this is dumb. I have more important things to do than to sit here on the floor so shocking you, myself. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure you had a lot of fun doing yep. just that. That's when you have your teen boys go and learn how to do stuff, right? Steve? I didn't want to pull them off the floor. <laughs> Um, so speaking of workers, where do you find your workers? I know Wendy is the one who's orchestrating all of your fix and flips, but she's, she doesn't do the work physically. No, no, she's, um, you know, we're super blessed with what we have is that, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I would have for people is to make sure that if you're hiring a contractor and you're not super keen on design, the contractor's going to do what they tell you to. Right. But they're not going to give you the design aspect. So like I said, we're blessed because Wendy's general contractor, we call her Boss Lady Red, that's the name of the business, and she goes in and she has a design eye. I love she that about her. She has a culinary degree. Uh-huh. So she understands how a kitchen's supposed to flow. We've all been in those houses where somebody's flipped and you're like, what were they what, thinking? What the heck is going on here? Right. And... uh so you have to be really conscious about that resale impact, mm-hmm. you know, when you go through and do the work. So Wendy's the one we've worked with the same crews for the last six years. And Wendy's just done a tremendous job of those guys are her family. Yeah. You know, we always joke that I've got, I've got all the girls in the office and she's got all the guys out in the field. It's perfect. It works well right. for you guys. Right. So before we go on break, when you come back, I want to talk about, you mentioned money. Money is important to get these projects off the ground. Most people have to get investors to help them, whether it's mm-hmm. hard money. Yep. So I I want to talk about what is a good hard money deal for somebody if they're out okay. on the market looking to get their first fix and flip out there. Okay. But I also want to talk about you have to come back. When we come back, you have to talk about the story where you had people. I saw the video. You know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> which homeless story? There's been multiple. Have there been multiple? multiple? Okay, so I saw one last year where you had a homeless guy who was squatting in your house. I want you to tell the okay. audience, what do you do when that happens, okay? okay. So we're going to go ahead and pay some more bills and take a quick break. We are listening to Independent Talk, KFNX 1100 AM and Grateful Heart Radio. Be back soon. Thank you. Thinking about buying or selling your home? Experience matters when it comes to what may be the biggest investment of your life. Rebecca Rains has been selling real estate full-time for more than a quarter of a century. Her track record is proven, so come see why all of her clients rave about her services. Whether it's your first home or possibly your last, you owe it to yourself to call a true professional. 480-243-4242 or visit IntegrityAllStars.com. Experience matters. IntegrityAllStars.com. We want to welcome you back. I am Rebecca Rains, and you are listening to Grateful Heart Radio, motivational Arizona real estate and business show on Independent Talk, KFNX 1100 AM. We are live every day, Monday at 11 AM, so if you have any questions, please call us at 602-277-5369. And let me say that one more time because we've got an excellent guest on today. If you have any questions and you're thinking about investing in real estate, let's give Steve Valentine a call. 602-277-5369. All right, Steve, on break. Apparently, you've had this happen to you many times now, that you've bought properties and you end up with squatters or homeless people living in them. The story I was referring to I thought was very inspirational and very motivational because you did something that I would never imagine any homeowner doing. 
please share the story with us. Okay, real quick. so you know it is it is one of those things though that's that's a reality that people need to understand when you're buying houses and they're vacant to always be and enter with caution when it comes down to depending on the areas that, that you work on those types of things. So it was at Metro Center. Mm-hmm. Um, it was two houses. Actually, it was on 35th Avenue, inside of 35th Avenue. Um, the seller that we made the solution for, and I worked with another real estate agent on it, and uh, I told her she could leave everything she didn't want, and she left a lot. Right. <clears throat> and so it's the week before Christmas, I think, and I do this bonehead, I'm always trying things. I'm like, I'm going to try this and see if I can save some money with trash out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do an estate sale and everybody that comes in, they can take anything they want for free. Perfect. Because rather than throwing all that stuff in the trash, you know, people right. pick through things, they resell it, give somebody an opportunity to make it's some money. It's the week before Christmas. Right. So we've been trained with tactical firearms and I know my situational awareness. And so I went into the house and I started clicking on lights and I had my firearm on me and I started hearing things, so now I'm I'm looking at exits and thinking, okay, and it's the first time, so at the same time I draw my firearm, there's four guys coming out of different hallways. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's 6 a.m. in the morning. The house is pitch black, and so it's the first time I've ever put my finger on the trigger. And um, it was it was scary, but it was a self-defense thing. So anyway, mm-hmm. so they were super docile, and um, they were just looking for a place to stay warm, so they found a way into the house. Right. And... Um, so I kind of checked the house out to make sure there wasn't anybody else there. And then um and then, I, Do you still have a bunch of stuff in there for oh the estate sale? Oh, my God, there's tons of stuff, okay. yes. And so, <laughs> so I go back out to the car, and I had gotten donuts and coffee for the estate sale. Uh-huh. So I went back inside, and I sat on the ground with them. And I asked them to tell me their story. Like, why are you here? Why are you homeless? Like, what is going on that, that you would do this? And so... It's just my heart, you know, I'm probably more generous than I should be. So, I think it's awesome. So I told him, like, look, I know it's cold, it's raining, I'm not gonna do anything with this house for the next seven days because uh-huh. it's Christmas time. Here's what I want you to do. The house is full, I need everything out of the house. You guys can stay here for the next week and move everything out of the house. I don't care if you sell anything out of the house, whatever. Just don't damage it. Leave the copper and the plumbing and take a shower, I don't care. And so I'm walking. So I go outside and I start doing a Facebook Live. And then I start walking through the house. And they're already, like, moving boxes. And the one guy I get to, he's like, I can't believe this guy didn't kill me. He had every right. <laughs> and so they actually ended up being there. It took us a month to get them out because they kept coming back. Oh, boy. But End of the story, did you make some money on that flip? We did. We did. I think we paid 155 for it. We had 50 grand into it and um I think we sold it for 265. So I think we netted about 20 on that one. So happy end of the story. You did help some folks out that were struggling for a month, you know, looking for a warm place to stay. They knew how nice you were. You gave them coffee and donuts. I right. mean, really could anything else happen um that has shocked you over the years that you oh. want to share? There's so much shockingness in this business. <laughs> um, I had another one where a guy literally, we had a house, 67th Avenue in Happy Valley, and I pulled up to show it to somebody, uh-huh. and there's a truck backed up to the doorway. And I walk up, and I'm like, I thought Wendy had hired somebody to be there. I walk up, and he's like, oh, I just moved in. I'm like, huh? He literally, that night, he pushed open the front door, and he had moved. Like, every room in the house was full of stuff. How like, did that happen? He just randomly found a vacant house. So how did you get him out? Um, I moved him to another property. <laughs> oh, Steve. Did he turn into at least a tenant for you? I tried. 
I tried to get him to do some door knocking for me. I tried to give him some opportunities, and he, at the end of the day, took advantage of me. So okay, so you're not probably doing that again. No. Okay. No. All no, right. Unfortunately, I can't give free homes to homeless people anymore. No, no, no. That's not why you get into doing what you do. But no. that said, I know everybody listening has the number one question. They dream of doing their first fix and flip. They dream of making all this money, but maybe they don't have that much money or resources themselves. Right. I just had a call recently from one of my clients wanting to get tied into a, uh, a fixed, no, you call it hard money. Hard money. And what he didn't understand is how much down he needed to have. Mm-hmm. So what are the criteria for hard money lenders and how have you found money? Because I know you've gone a different direction right. to create that opportunity for yourself. Well, hard money lenders, they range from 8 to 12% and they range from 1 to 2 points and a point is... 1% of the origination so whatever the loan amount is. So let's talk $100,000. Yep. You're so, going to you're going to pay 8 to 12% mm-hmm. and then you're going to pay $1,000 for the origination fee plus whatever fees they have. So probably about $2,000 in fees for that loan. For a $100,000 loan. $100,000. And how much money do most hard money lenders want to see you have invested in this project? Some of them it depends on your experience. Okay. So if you're not experienced, you're just starting out, you're probably in the 10 to 20% down. Okay. So you're going to get a seventy dollars to $80,000 loan. And, and here's where it starts to get tight when people try to do multiples is you've got the down payment and then you have to have the repair money. Right. So just because you got a hard money, now how do you do the repairs? Exactly. You know, and that's <clears throat> Wendy and I have had this argument when I finally realized I was being an idiot. Um, <laughs> no. When you go through renovations, like right now, mm-hmm. if we're doing a full renovation on a house, if it's not super high end, we're factoring about thirty-five to forty dollars a square foot to renovate a house, which is bathrooms, kitchens, flooring, all that other stuff. Now you start factoring in big stuff like AC units, plumbing, those types of things, and, and it starts adding on. And that's where you like the for the buy and holds having a house with just one AC unit. Correct. And that is super smart. Something right. I never thought about until I heard you share that with us. So, how do you find hard money? Like, what what is somebody supposed to do when they're looking for hard money? You can you can Google hard money. But and, is that the best way to go about it? Well, if you're just starting out and you don't have relationships, okay, you know, then then that's what it is. But then you know, the route that I went was showing investors. So when you get to a certain age, or maybe you have a 401k that you can convert into. Um, a self-directed IRA, Sure. you start looking at ways to invest in real estate without owning it. So I have older clients that want to invest in real estate and but- they're getting that 6 to 8% <clears throat> return on their money mm-hmm. and it's secured by real estate and we call it deed of trust investing. Right. And so you have two parts to deed of trust investing. You've got the deed of trust, which is the security mm-hmm. against the property in first position. Okay. And then you have the note and the note is the instructions of it, whether it's 8%, whatever it is. And so I've just kind of gone with people that I know and showed them how to build wealth in real estate and get a good rate of return secured by property. Without actually getting their hands dirty, without actually having to worry about finding the homeless person in the house, they basically are just, they become the hard money lender. They're the bank. They're secured by the property. Mm -hmm. And you, you obviously, if you're thinking about doing deed of trust investing, you want to make sure you're doing it with somebody experienced because there's some real nightmares where you know, older gentleman runs into somebody that thinks they're going to flip a house. They go in and gut the house and they didn't make any payments on it. And then they have to foreclose on it. 
That's horrible. Yeah, so he lost money. I mean, there's been a couple of scenarios like that. So we've really built it around our experience and showing mm-hmm. people how to invest without having to get their hands dirty. And so that's just basically finding people that you have relationships with, mm-hmm. that have money, that they'd rather invest maybe with a higher rate of return than they're getting maybe on the right. stock market right, right. now. Right. I mean, you know, I think the stock market just hit some record 28 yeah. Whatever it is, and I, again, I know enough just to be barely dangerous, uh, <laughs> barely. But I, you know, looking at that again, kind of going back to the fix and flip, you know, maybe it is smarter just to go ahead and loan somebody else who knows what they're doing. Maybe a realtor, you know, somebody that has access to properties where um, they can line you up. Because, like I shared with you on break, I had some concerns over a past client of mine, current client of mine, dear friend of mine, in fact, that they kind of got. Um, tied up into a group and you know what i'm talking yep. about there's wholesalers out there can we only have two minutes before we have to go on break again i know this has been going super fast um but what is a wholesaler so can you define that for us so people can wholesaling be aware of is buying a property and selling the contract for a fee for a fee yep okay so there's people out there who instead of maybe doing the note they go find the property and then mm-hmm. they find somebody else to actually do the work right so right. what's in it for them so they get paid a fee. So the wholesaler, depending on the wholesaler, is trying to solve a problem for, mm-hmm. the, for the consumer. And so they say, hey, I'm willing to buy your house for $100,000, right? Okay. And let's say it's worth 200, but it needs all the work and all the stuff. And so they sign a contract for 100, and then they bring it to you or I, and mm-hmm. they're charging anywhere between five or $10,000 for that assignment. And then you're taking over the contract and closing on it. They get paid. They just don't have any risk in it. So that's where you talked earlier about fixing and flipping can be a gamble. Mm-hmm. So the wholesaler may be the smart one in the whole thing. Absolutely. Because there's no risk. They're just finding the property and they're saying, hey, Joe Schmo, I hear you want to do a fix and flip. Here's a great deal for right. you. And what they're not necessarily coming up front saying, I might make more money than you with a lot less work. Oh, yeah. Yep. How much money do wholesalers usually charge for their fee? Most of them on average are ten grand. Ten grand. Yeah, so but you have some people out there that are, you know, they want to break the bank and make twenty. And I guess if there's enough room in the deal, then great. But if they're making twenty, they're very easily making more than the person doing the fix oh, and absolutely. flip. At the end of the day, when they're looking at all their costs and, and so all you, of that good stuff. You know, I know we're getting ready to take a break, but you just have to be careful with what you're getting into because if it's that great of a deal, they'd be doing it themselves. They might. Well, if they have, they may not want the risk. There's a lot of people out there they don't want to take the risk. They don't want to take the risk that I do. Right. You know, you got to find money. You have to do all that. Wholesaling but is an instant gratification thing. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Right. 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 All right. So we're going back on break again. You're listening to Independent Talk, KFNX, Grateful Heart Radio, and talk about motivational. I'm ready to go buy some more fix and flips. Thank you. <laughs> We want to welcome you back. I am Rebecca Rains, and you are listening to Grateful Heart Radio, motivational Arizona real estate and business show on independent talk, KFNX. And we are wrapping things up with Steve Valentine. And we did talk on break about what are the things that, you know, biggest takeaways for anybody listening to our show today that's been thinking about buying property as an investment. How do they get wealthy by doing so? Well, I think you have to have or you have to look for a guide, 
somebody that really understands investment, um, real estate. They understand the rentals. They understand the construction side. That's kind of what I bring to the table at the end of the day mm-hmm. in understanding all that. But you know, it was interesting last year. I spoke to four or 5,000 real estate agents all over the country. And when you ask a room full of real estate agents, how many of you own investment properties? And only about 5% on average did. Right. Well, the consumer that wants to go invest in real estate or fix and flip, they really need to make sure that that person that they're hiring or is guiding them is invested in real estate. They understand the ins and outs. I won't sell anything to my consumer that I haven't bought myself. Right. You know, you get a lot of people asking me about multifamily. Well, I don't know anything about it because I haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. So I can't really speak to it. But I can speak to VRBOs. I can speak to investment. I can speak to if you go through this process and you start building your wealth because I can guide you, you know, to not have the long-term liabilities. And let me give you a really good example. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we had a client come to the man- management company, to Valentine Sales and Management, and it was referred by an agent. Mm-hmm. Bless his soul, he thought he was doing the best for his client, but this is what it was. He sells her. She's from Washington. She has $475,000 cash. He sells her a 3,900-square-foot house in Surprise. Oh, no. With three AC units and a pool. And it took three months to rent out because it's such a big house, and they finally get $2,100 a month out of it. The rate on return on that cash is like 2%. Okay, so that is definitely not the way to go, and I know buy boxes and rental boxes mm-hmm. are going to definitely put you in a, like you said earlier, 1,200, 1,100 square feet right. to 2,000 square feet, right. one AC unit, no pool, no HOA. Um, one thing that just triggered when you were talking, you were talking in the past about when you buy your first property, maybe maybe the first one's a big big bite because mm-hmm. you have to have money for the investing and for the then you have to have money for the repairs and right. you, you get your first one. How do you leverage? Because this is pretty genius. How do you leverage that first property so you can buy another property? And then you take that property and you leverage it to buy another property. Let's talk about that in this last segment. So so it really depends. So it's kind of like when you take the first buyer, the first mm-hmm. time home buyer. They buy, they do 3 or 5% down, and then at, after 12 months, you know, if they did FHA, they need to refinance to conventional. Mm-hmm. And because they're doing it owner occupied, they could either do a line of credit to move equity um, or, you know, they can leverage doing cash out to, to go down the other road. But on a first time home buyer, you have that three to 5% down. Sure. So if you can wait a year, refinance it. Once it appreciates a little right. bit. Right. Owner occupied. And then you move towards, okay, now I'm saving my 5% for my next property. Mm-hmm. Cause it's the easiest, um, and cheapest way to get into real estate is by buying something owner occupant. The first time. The first time. Yeah. You know, even even I've got a gal right now. She's like, I might be moving. I'm like, yeah, but not for eight months. I said, buy your property, and let's let's look at it from the standpoint of you've bought it. If eight months you do move, then we'll keep it as a rental. If in eight months things change and you stay, at least you didn't wait eight months, right, to make that happen. I agree. So there's there. My dad used to always recommend when people would relocate, mm-hmm. keep your house for a year as rental in case you have to come back. Oh it may my not goodness. Work out. I remember saying that to somebody who works for me, and she's probably listening right now, and she did just that, and unfortunately had to start over to buy another property and lost all that equity she could have made had she rented it. So I think that's beautiful advice. Um, But let's take it one step further. Okay, so they bought their first home. They have maybe moved out, made it a rental, bought another property. But I'm talking about maybe the first fix and flip 
where then all of a sudden on explain you're going to have to explain it better than me where you take out that other lien so then you could do a 75% loan to value kind of thing. Right. So talk about that better than I well, am. Well, it's the it's the equity method. Okay, let's you talk know, that. People that buy houses, they don't realize that you don't have a lender seasoning anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can actually use the equity you find in something as partial down payment. For the next one. For the next one. And that's genius because right. once you can get the first one, then the rest of them, like you have 36 of them now. Right. And how much how much value or equity do you currently have in all so those? So we currently own about $12 million worth of real estate that's mm-hmm. increased equity-wise. It's probably we're in that 4 to $5 million in equity right now. Just that's a really good place to be. And how long did it take you to acquire all those properties? Steve? Five years. So in five years, you've acquired 36 properties mm-hmm. that now have $4 million in equity, and they're still making money for you. Well, they're being paid down by somebody else. I mean, that's the beauty of leverage. And so, you know, we're not over leveraged in our portfolio, mm-hmm. and I don't think somebody should be over leveraged depending on what they're doing for work. But it's also one of those things. Real estate investing also is that you don't have to be hands on. Right. I'm not. I don't manage my stuff. I don't manage the tenants. We hire somebody to do that. And it's a cost, but it's a cost to maintain the asset. So if you can look at it, it is not a stock market worry of it going up and down. It is a leverage piece that you put a little money into it. And you let somebody pay off over time. So your hope is one of these days you and Wendy can go live anywhere you want because you have a bunch of properties paid for by other people. Right. I mean, my goal is 50-50 at 50, which is 50 free and clear single-family homes at age 50 producing $50,000 a month in income. That's a nice life. Right. I love it. But it's all been – but it's it's taking that 20 years of somebody else paying it down, maintaining the properties. And it's also not easy work. Because that's the whole thing. I think people get sucked into this whole beautiful HGTV type show. Right. It's going to be so easy, and it's not that easy. You actually have to work at it. It's just like real estate. People get in, they think it's easy. It's just like wholesaling. They think it's going to be easy. And it's a lot of work, and it's it's experiences. I mean, mm-hmm. both of us have 20 years worth of life experiences from the REO days, the markets up and down, yes. those types of things. And that's, that's what I've really utilized to not only build my stuff, mm-hmm. but now it's the passion of helping others build that portfolio in the background. Well, at the end of the day, I always love talking with you, Steve, because you are very inspiring, my friend. Thank you. You know, um, I know last time when James, my husband, had uh, sat in on a class with you, he's like, that's it. Let's go buy some more properties. You know, we get very jazzed because, you know, you make it so simple. Yet it's not, it's nothing easy comes free. Nothing good comes easy. It is work. But if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do some work, there's absolutely no reason why anybody listening cannot invest in themselves mm-hmm. and have a future that they can, you know, hopefully sustain them in their retirement years, right? Right. Well, I think it, it, it really has to do with mindset. You know, if you change your mindset, when I first got into real estate, we're taught how to sell and represent and doing all those things. And I love that piece of it. I, I love the consumer piece of it. But then when I shifted to the investor mindset and the work mindset, it was, you know, it was a whole different ball game because then I can help the consumer. That's where Limitless Project came from, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because it was a passion. So, you know, when I started the the coaching and training of real estate agents, mm-hmm. it was the passion was for them to not work their whole life on a commission transactional based and start investing in themselves and investing in what they know. And you know, the the hard thing I don't know about your dad, but my dad passed away 
and he was a real estate genius and owned almost nothing in real estate oh. but worked for everybody else. Mine was the exact same thing. He was broke when he passed, and it was awful. Right. And so my goal is to you know, take the 25-year-old kid that's buying their first house and making sure that at age 50 they're thanking themselves. Oh, my goodness. It's already – I hear the music going, Steve. If they want to get a hold of you to learn more, how do people get in touch with Steve Valentine? Um, Instagram, Steve D. Valentine. uh, Facebook, Steve Valentine. And then uh, my website is – stevedvalentine.com. Okay, so just remember Steve Valentine. What a great show. I want to thank Chet, our technical engineer for running the board. I want to thank Ariel once again. Great job. And I must also thank you again, Steve, for coming on. I would love to have your wife next time. You've been listening to Grateful Heart Radio on Independent Talk 1100. Next week we have a fantastic show, maybe one you don't want to listen to, but you need to. It's talking about reverse mortgages and helping your parents, again, talking about our dads, helping your parents make the right decisions at the end of the day. So it's, I guess, time to sign off. I'm getting clicked down. Have a wonderful week. (laughs) Thank you, Steve, again for coming on board.